This episode is about the science, soul, and spirit behind trauma and trauma healing, how our animal body responds to threat, how the whole body's function and our experience are impacted by the nervous system's fight-and-flight responses, and the connection of the body to spiritual aspects of trauma. It will be followed by one body-centered trauma healing experiential to guide you in your self-healing process. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Embody Podcast, a show about remembering and embodying your true nature inner wisdom, embodied healing, and self-love. My name is Candice Wu, and I'm a holistic healing facilitator, intuitive coach, and artist sharing my personal journey of vulnerability, offering meditations and guided healing support, and having co-creative conversations with healers and wellness practitioners from all over the world. Today's episode is brought to you by my supporters on Patreon. I'm really grateful for those of you who feel inspired and touched by the podcasts and the work that I'm doing and have decided that they want to support with a financial contribution. If you found this podcast helpful, I'd invite you to check out whether you'd like to contribute on Patreon. If you contribute at a certain level, you can receive a personalized healing meditation from me based on whatever it is that you're wanting, desiring, or going through in your life right now that can help you in your self-healing or empowerment, um, whatever your intention is. All of the money goes to supporting the -the behind-the-scenes production of these podcasts and other experiences that I offer. And check it out at candicewu.com slash Patreon. Before we get to the episode, just a little update on me. I am happily back in Michigan And just thrilled to be back to see family and friends and to experience a little bit of the first world again. I just heard that people in Bali and Lombok, Indonesia are experiencing earthquakes and possible tsunami coming up. And I'm hoping that everyone there stays safe and finding it very interesting that I felt so stressed while I was there in some ways and that I'm not there during this earthquake and tsunami, but had my own inner earthquakes and inner tidal waves, so to say, of spiritual stuff going on, spiritual turbulence and crisis at different times. Now that I've been back here, I've been exploring the idea of shifting from alignment to the biorhythms of the body, what uh, we believe is truth and what our senses are and all of the trauma and soul um, debris that's here to light rhythms where it's beyond what I can even really comprehend actually, but where we're touching into other energies that bring us closer to a truth of who we are, but still staying embodied with that. If you're wondering like, what the heck is she talking about? Um, Sometimes I wonder that as well, but something in me is resonating with it and understanding it at some level. So I'll be here in Michigan for a couple of months and looking forward to the women's retreat in October that I'm holding in Zion National Park, Utah, called the Soul Body Women's Retreat. And it's uh, going to be really beautiful. Uh, And if you haven't checked that out, feel free to at my website. So that's all I have for today about my updates. Oh, other than one last thing. I found out that my other grandma died the other day. And if you've been following on my podcast, you probably know that my grandma in Hong Kong, my maternal grandmother, passed away only about a month and a half ago. And here now is my other grandma. 
And it's an interesting experience. A lot of transition is going on in my life already. A lot of ending, a new beginning, and shifting. Um, As I mentioned, the turbulence before. It's all starting to settle down a bit as I'm back in the Midwest. But my grandma. So I want to just honor her as well. I probably won't be doing a whole podcast on her. My experience with this relationship is a bit different, but it's just an interesting time. And I know a lot of you out there are going through very rough times as well. It's been a rough year and a lot of planetary action is happening. So stay on your path and continue to be gentle to yourself if you're going through things that are hard, as I'm trying to remind myself of. So let's now jump into the episode. For about 25 years of my life, I didn't realize that I was experiencing trauma, the ongoing kind, the kind that uh, affected my daily life and permeated every thought and belief, action and movement, and my body, how my body was functioning. When I first started therapy in my 20s, it was because I was experiencing repetitive situations where I was in the same conflict or felt the same kind of upset in relationships. Even some sort of disagreement with my phone company could bring me to tears and I needed help. At that time, talk therapy was just the right thing to get me started. I had no idea that my childhood could affect my life my current life in my adulthood to that degree. And it was just fascinating to take that apart and look at what those dynamics were that were still happening in my life. At some point, it felt overwhelming. I felt like I couldn't make the changes that were talked about in therapy or that the emotions that were coming up were just so much and the same things kept happening. While talk therapy was incredibly helpful to have a supportive person, someone that I trusted, someone I could bring anything to, it also didn't seem to go deep enough for me. It was when I began seeing an EMDR therapist that I realized I had trauma and that I needed a whole body experience of healing. What began in relationship and in the body needed healing through the body and through relationship. When we experience early situations that are overwhelming, our nervous system isn't prepared to handle it. We need the co-regulation of a caretaker, an adult, or parent that is compassionate and attuned. And because I didn't have that in that way, in the way that I needed it, it affected my entire nervous system. My nervous system just couldn't calm down and feel safe. I had the thoughts to myself, how come I just couldn't be calm? You know, when people say just calm down or let it go, I couldn't just accept things and release them. They just seem to be pervasive and come back again. If we could do those things, then we would, wouldn't we? At this point, I've come to a place in my healing where I have access to those tools to just let it go or to be calm. And I can do that because most of the trauma in my system has been completed and I still find more pieces but I have different tools to work with it and move through it and come back to calm and safety. I've realized that our nervous systems, our entire physiology is both set to protect and to grow. 
we are magnetized towards situations that have been a struggle for us, ones that are incomplete, that we want to find a new solution and renegotiate so that we can take the wisdom, leave the rest behind, in a sense, digest the experience and find our empowerment with it, find our ability to protect ourselves and to be capable in the world. We also want to protect. And what we do, I find, is that we protect in the same way that has been familiar to a period of survival in our lives that our nervous system isn't realizing is over. And so we continue to use the same way of protection of the past, which was very helpful at one time and adaptive and brilliant, but that now using it still becomes a bit dysfunctional or stressful even. It becomes a suffering. And because that tool of protection in that specific way isn't helpful for the present moment, it can be experienced as a self-sabotage or ruining what's happening now in the present. So we have these two parts of us, the parts that want to expand and grow and resolve something, even if it's been a long time struggle, and the parts of us that need to protect, find safety, and steady ourselves. Balance and back and forth action. Shifting from realizing that our body's in protection mode and has a reason for it is a really compassionate way to look at trauma or even any aspect of why we do what we do. I used to fall into more of a critical and judgmental as well as shaming way of treating myself and can still do that to parts of me or fall into that at times. But now looking at how our body adapts, yet also wants to move towards the healing, I can find a lot more compassion for myself. Even statements like, why can't I do this? Or why can't I walk away in these situations? Or statements like, I should have done this. For example, I should have said no, or I should have told them what I thought, or why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep feeling this way? Or why do I keep yelling at my partner when I want to be calm? Why do I keep fill in the blank? All of those are ways that we criticize and judge what's going on in our system and actually stop us from the healing process. So when we look towards trauma healing from a body-centered perspective, one that links up with energy, mind, and spirit, it brings a lot of compassion because we see how the body needed to protect in a certain way. And that thought of, I should have said no and I couldn't, why didn't I? Or I should have done X. We can realize where that came from because saying no might have been too dangerous or doing the other thing that you wanted to do might have been dangerous or risky at the time in a past time. And it's just waiting to find some sort of completion and safety now. So I'll explain this a little deeper as this conversation goes on, but let's begin with trauma. What is trauma? Trauma isn't just an overwhelming experience that we have or something that's scary or something that you find scary that you think others would also find scary. It's how each person individually and personally responds to it, as well as how we respond to it as a collective. So trauma is any overwhelming experience combined with fear or terror that needed more resource than you had at the time and is incomplete. 
So if there's something that wanted to happen in your mind, like mentally you wanted something else, or in the body instinctually, in our animal body, that didn't get to happen in that situation in the past, then that's trauma. There's a severity level and a spectrum of that severity, whether it's just like a smaller thing or a very big experience that overwhelmed you a lot. So anything that the body perceives as threatening and then how you responded to it or how your nervous system responded to it is the key component of it being defined as trauma. Many therapists and healers define a couple of types of trauma, small T and large T trauma, for example, and large T meaning uh, with a capital T are including things like accidents, war, being spanked, being raped, physical abuse, a serious illness of a loved one, pregnancy and birth can be a large T trauma, macroaggression, terrorism, natural disasters. So big incidences and usually one-time incidences or a couple of times. When it becomes more frequent and ongoing, it's considered small T trauma. And that's where it can be so pervasive that you don't even notice it's happening. For example, if you experienced neglect as a child or abandonment or emotional abuse that was repetitive and the only thing you knew, feeling unwanted, racism and ageism because it's so prevalent in our society, discrimination and microaggression, all of those are small t traumas. And it doesn't mean it's a lesser trauma. In fact, it can be more challenging to heal from. It can be even more overwhelming to our system because it's pervasive, ongoing, and in that way, cumulative. It's almost layer upon layer every single day. It has more complexity then because it's tied in with almost every aspect of our lives and all of our belief sets and all of how the body responds to the world. Other experiences of threat that can become trauma or traumatizing are being in large groups or certain social demands and pressures, changes in life, transitions, something new and unfamiliar happening. So any of these can become overwhelming to our nervous system, to our spirit and soul, and can feel incomplete. So again, it's not what happened to you that equals trauma. It's not the bad thing that happened. It's how you and your system responded and how it experienced it. The amazing thing about seeing trauma from the perspective that it's something incomplete, a response that wanted to be had but didn't get to be had, or support and calling for help that didn't get to be had in the past, then gives us an opening where we can complete the response today, even though it happened in the past. It's as if our body doesn't realize that it's over. And if we complete it in the present, then the nervous system catches up to realize that you are safe now. Another aspect of this is that we're most likely in a present situation as adults where we have more resource. We have different friendships or different people that we can go to than in the past or than when the thing happened depending on how recent the incident or incidences were. And we have access to a different place that can help the healing process. If you've been following along with me in any way, by now you know that I look at the intergenerational line as well, the ancestry, 
and the losses and trauma that may have happened there, the things that were overwhelming to a family or to a person in your family that have been passed down. So if we think about, for example, grandma experiencing the loss of a baby and it being so horrible or overwhelming, and it may or may not have been to her, but let's just say it was, then it might have been forgotten and the grieving may not have been had. So something that the instinctual being, our soul and our body needs to do is to grieve something that's so upsetting. If that process gets interrupted, then it's still waiting there somewhere in the soul of the person and the family to be had. What wasn't felt will be continuing on and it will continue on in the generations later. That's how something gets passed down. So again, it's an incomplete response from some time period. And yet if we receive that energy and visceral sense and resonance in our life now, and we have no clue about grandma or maybe great, great, great grandma that experienced that, then it can be quite confusing when we feel lost in our lives a lot or anxious or whatever it is that it reverberates out to in our present day life. So when we don't seem to find a root in this life of what's going on, of what's happened, we might look back that way just to check out where something may need to be completed. We can find the context for which something happened and wants completion. But the beautiful thing about working with a body is you can still do that work without knowing the details. And sometimes the details show up if we open our imagination and our openness enough that we accept the senses that we get or the intuitive hits that we get. Also, if you believe in a past life or a soul, what continues on in the energy of our soul can reverberate through this life and other lifetimes. Something in us may want completion from a past life, just as something in us may want some completion from a collective experience of trauma or a collective societal experience that was so overwhelming and and upsetting. Many of the things that have happened in, let's say, American history and Native American history, for example, can reverberate and permeate our nervous system, our body, our hearts, and want some sort of reconciliation, healing, acknowledgement, and we can bring that today. So the beautiful thing, again, is that if we're present, conscious, and having some compassionate support, something new can happen. Whatever healing that wants to be had or whatever it is that wants to be completed and acknowledged can be within your sphere of working with yourself or someone else, a therapist, healer, coach, someone that understands trauma healing especially. Or it might be something new happening in your life where you take action differently. And all of that can be helpful to the healing of the soul and the body. So today we're going to jump into the science behind trauma and trauma healing. So if you're somebody that wants to understand it from a very grounded basis, this is for you. We'll also jump into bridging that with the soul and spirit so that it really comes into an integrated picture. Just going back to my personal experience, when I was in talk therapy, I found that it's just working from the head up. You can only go so far. You're thinking, you're analyzing, and you're using your brain capacity. And we have a whole body. We have our spine. We have our guts, our legs, and arms. And if we've had any experience in life of trauma, of overwhelm, 
it certainly affected our whole body, our whole system, our energy. It didn't just affect our head. So healing things from our mind is just one tool. And while it can work with some things, other things might require working with the whole system, working with the movement that wanted to happen that didn't get to, or how the body was impacted or how the emotions were when something overwhelming happened. And the last thing before we jump into the science of trauma is the thought about time, that sometimes time can heal you. In some ways, time is a tool. We can realize that something in the past is over. And if we do realize it, we need to realize it far more than mentally. Because even if our mind believes something, we can find ourselves still in a situation where we feel differently or where we get in that repeated situation again that is upsetting to us and we want it to stop. So even if we realize it in our minds, our body and our nervous system also needs to catch up to speed with that. So in my experience of trauma healing, the body knows no time. It just knows completion. It just knows what it needs and wants to survive and be safe. And this is where what we understand as the mental capacity can work together with the body because it can imagine. When you actually rationally know you're safe, you can bring that as an asset, an extra resource to the healing so that you can complete the things that want to happen to find full safety in your body. So let's jump into a bit of the science and the technical stuff behind trauma. One of the types of healing work that I use and incorporate with every session that I work with or every healing aspect is somatic experiencing. And it was developed by Peter Levine. He looked at animals in the wild and wondered that given how animals in the wild are repeatedly exposed to life-threatening events, why don't they develop PTSD like humans do? Why don't they have symptoms of trauma like we do? What he found was that animals in the wild actually innately complete the cycle of anything that needs to happen for their protection and safety. So if you think of an animal in the wild, if they notice a threat or are perceiving something, energy is going to start to increase in their body so they can perceive that threat and start to mobilize. If they are in danger and they see a predator coming, they're going to run if they can, the flight response. If they can't run, they'll try to fight. If they can't fight or flight, then they'll go into tonic immobility or the freeze state where they're playing dead in hopes that their predator will leave. So if the predator does go away and it in fact is safe for the animal to start moving again, what will first happen is that it will start to shake and discharge all of the energy that flooded the system in order to help mobilize them and then to freeze their body so that they're in this immobility state. So all the energy comes towards the center, towards the core of the body in that state and conserves itself. When the nervous system is coming out of a frozen response, it needs to move through the fight or flight response energy to release that. So at that point, the animal might continue to shake all that energy out or it will just run and complete that response so that they get to a safe place of their own where they can be free to enjoy nature again, relax, engage socially, find a mate, find food, whatever it is that their regular life entails. I'll link an example of this in the show notes where an impala is in a frozen state because uh, I think it's a jaguar or a tiger 
has got it by the head and it's like right on top of it. And this impala is in an immobility state, but still like a movable state where the body, the limbs are just limp and its predator eventually goes away, gets excited by something else. And this impala starts to shake and tremble and then gallops away eventually. So while animals in the wild are doing this, humans tend to avoid, skip, or ignore those responses. Because we do this, our nervous system doesn't think that the threat is over. The the response cycle is incomplete. So we may be in a constant readiness, believing that there's danger, anxiety, um, hyper-focus or hyper-vigilance, looking around. Those are all responses of a nervous system that feel unsafe and at risk. All of the chemicals in our body that energize us to fight, flight, or freeze, for example, epinephrine and norepinephrine, as well as endorphins, and there are higher levels of endorphins needed for the freeze response, all of that stores up in the nervous system in the body if it doesn't get discharged. So if you imagine a fight response needed to happen in a situation or the instinctual response was to fight back or to push back, then energy will charge up into the arms to do that. And if it doesn't get used, where does it go? It stays there. So then we have tension, we have pain, we have blocked energy, we have other systemic issues in the organ systems and All of that relates to the incomplete response. Sometimes I experience myself going through things and I feel fine. I feel um, just like, wow, these big things happened, but I'm fine. And maybe later come to realize that I was actually numb, that my nervous system was a bit overwhelmed or more overwhelmed than capable to feel the emotions. And when we can't feel through the emotions, when they're so overwhelming, Then we go into this playing dead state, the tonic immobility state where we are protecting ourselves from feeling the overwhelm. The shutting down response is actually more activated than a fight or flight response, than other emotional responses, because it happens when we can't feel those emotions, when that's even too overwhelming. And all of these are survival mechanisms. We have our mind and our spiritual selves, which tell us that we might want to respond differently, but we still have an instinctual body. So with this research of looking at animals in the wild, what Peter Levine did was he created all sorts of tools and understandings as to how to work with the fight, flight, and freeze responses in the body so that we don't re-traumatize ourselves, sometimes just telling the story of what happened does re-traumatize us. We just stay numb or we go into more overwhelm and we don't have the conscious resource to be able to move through it differently. So the work of somatic experiencing gives extra resource and supports someone in feeling stronger and safer so that we can work through some of the overwhelming areas with the compassionate person that is competent in the work. In my work, I've combined somatic experiencing and other somatic therapies with family constellations healing, which is the intergenerational healing work that I mentioned. And if you bring and weave those both together, then we're completing what may not have been completed in the ancestry as well, whichever has its reverberation through our nervous system today. 
we're working with the collective nervous system, the soul of the family and the nervous system of the family system, as well as society or whoever else you're working with in your constellation, whatever energy is inside of you or outside of you. And all of that pertains to the body. So speaking of the nervous system, a healthy nervous system can move from activation to settling frequently throughout the day with ease. And what we would call a normal range is where it feels healthy and able to move up and down in that activation and settling, and it doesn't go too far in one way or the other. When our nervous system spikes upward or downward in a sort of stuck-on position, it's what they call it in SE work, somatic experiencing, stuck-on is having anxiety and hypervigilance all the time or frequently feeling startled often or that the world's very scary. And that experience might come with sleeplessness or digestive problems, feeling emotionally flooded, panic, scattered. Whereas a stuck off position might be depression, lethargy, feeling disconnected or isolated, having dissociation, exhaustion, low motivation or affect. And it might come with low blood pressure, poor digestion, or having a hard time staying asleep or sleeping too much. So each person's nervous system might have a different baseline and capacity, as well as different aspects of fight, flight, and freeze in various situations or that can come out at different times. Different things activate us, which bring us to different states. And all of that relates to some past situation that is incomplete. We're only meant to be in the fight and flight as well as frozen response for a few minutes if necessary. And sometimes in human life, we experience it all our lives. We're in a constant global activation. That's a constant anxiety or depression. And if we sit in that energy our whole lives, perhaps that's also intergenerational or relating to something in the past beyond us, which can be complete as well. The other thing I want to mention that is a bit different from animals is that we're quite challenged as infants. We take, I don't know, seven months to a year to walk, and we need a lot of love and care and attention beforehand and all throughout our lives. If we have a parent or a caretaker that's able to attune to our needs, our desires, wishes, our feelings, as well as is able to step back gradually and let us have certain frustrations or a level of feeling upset while being present so that we can co-regulate, then our nervous system builds its capacity to feel both pleasure and upset or pleasure and challenge. Donald Winnicott was a British pediatrician and psychoanalyst that coined the term good enough mother, and we can broaden that to good enough parent or caretaker. And he was referring to just that, that We need someone to be good enough to have attunement to us as well as let us have those imperfections of life to experience small frustration increasingly over time so that we can feel the expanse of various emotions and energies while being regulated. And the attunement that a parent would give can help us build our nervous system. So we need the co-regulation. While we have this very expansive spiritual and mental side of us, this rational mind, the ability to see, well, what we think is reality and what we perceive, we also have the body that needs to catch up to all of 
what we want to believe of ourselves or of the world. What we think we're capable of and what our body is doing can often be very different. And so it's letting it catch up to that. Let's just go one level deeper into the science of all of this. All of this fight, flight, and freeze response connects with polyvagal theory. And Stephen Porges does a lot of research and discussion about this. So if you look at any of his videos or people talking about his work, it's excellent. Today, we'll just talk a tiny bit about it. The main thing I want to talk about today with the polyvagus nerve, this nerve that goes up and down the body along the spine, is that it connects with every single aspect of our nervous system and body. It connects with all the vital organs in the chest and in the gut and controls, it sends input into those systems. So when our body experiences a threat and shifts into a fight or flight state, those responses are to protect the vital organs in the chest and the gut. For example, tension in the chest to mobilize a fight or flight and to protect the heart or tension and numbness in the gut to get the body moving, to bring the energy to the legs. So not only does this connect with depression or anxiety, dissociation or shutdown, all of the things I mentioned before when our nervous system is stuck on or off, it also connects with how we're digesting and how we're seeing. I'll connect a link of this image of the vagus nerve and all the organs to the show notes of this podcast. But when we're in a sympathetic state where our nervous system is active, we're feeling any sensation that's going to help us protect, then our pupils dilate in order to keep our eyes on a target of threat. Our saliva inhibits and digestion slows down so that the energy can go in other places where it's needed. Our heart rate is accelerated so that we can keep moving. The energy that can typically go towards digestion and elimination actually moves out to different parts of the body that need to run or need to fight or need to move in some way or yell. But as I said earlier, if the nervous system doesn't know it's safe and that threat is over and that you've completed the cycle, then it can stay in this sympathetic state versus the parasympathetic state where we are calm. The energy isn't needed to respond to a threat, to run or to get away. It Instead, it can energize our whole system for social engagement and connection, for finding food and enjoying pleasure. All of this connects to how available we are for emotional connection with someone else, whether or not we look and sound safe that we're in a state of calm for another person. And as I mentioned earlier, the tension in our body, if there's still stored up energy from incomplete responses, then we have tension or pain or other illness in the body. So I mentioned this primarily because it shows just exactly how trauma or experiences that were overwhelming physically and emotionally affect our digestion, affect how we feel in our body moving around. It affects our connection with others and what we're able to receive and do in the world. So trauma, without even knowing it, may be a source of whatever you have going on in your body. Sometimes we just look for a physical remedy for something that we're going through. And while that's helpful, it 
and especially if it's severe, it might be very helpful to weed out those factors and offer a different solution to the body to complete something that wasn't completed. And if you don't know what was incomplete in your life or in your ancestry or in a soul history or even something that you're affected by in our society that we may not be able to pinpoint with the mind, the body knows. The body remembers all of that. And if you've heard the statement, the body doesn't lie, here's where it's true. That the body will not let you forget what it's gone through, especially if something is incomplete, it will still want that completion. In the work of family constellations, this shows up really clearly. As I mentioned earlier, just the example of grandma losing a baby. When we set up a constellation with people representing these parts of someone's family system or the energies of someone, if we follow the movements of what the body's giving us, or if something is revealed, then we see where that tension exists in someone's body or where the ulcers began or who starts to feel pain in their chest or just starts to cough. We realize where those physical symptoms connect to. So I don't know about you, but I feel incredibly empowered by all of that, just knowing that there's a way through, there's a way to heal, there's a way to feel better as well as feel more and to release the things that seem to repeat in my life and that they don't have to happen that way anymore. And as we clear up all of those incomplete things, then we have the space for actually what's happening now, the authenticity of the present, the availability to be able to receive, to take, to want and create right now. So let's shift gears and talk a little bit about how this all affects us as people if we have trauma. What strikes me is if the body didn't get to protect itself in the past, if it didn't complete something that wanted to be had, for example, if your father yelled at you a lot when you were younger or even once and you wanted to scream back or you wanted to instinctually, you wanted to push or bite or punch or do something to express that you didn't like it, but you didn't get to, it likely would have been more dangerous or scary to do so, to stand up to your father who's much bigger than that energy that wanted to make that happen, to protect yourself, to make you feel empowered, gets locked into the nervous system and the body. And the body acts as if it can't protect then. It may feel defeated and Defeat has the same physiology in the body as shame. So we internalize that as something wrong with us or something we're incapable of. Who we are is not okay. So when we complete these responses in the body that didn't get completed, we end up building confidence, capability, empowerment. We feel strong again and we feel able to hold our boundaries or able to speak up when we need to, even fight if we need to but then able to look at the reality of the situation now and use what's needed now. So if someone says, do you want this soup? You don't just scream at them and fight and say no, because that's not really appropriate. But maybe you end up in a really, truly life-threatening situation where somebody is going to hurt you, then you may need to fight. You may need to do something to protect yourself. So we want all of those capacities available to reclaim all the ways that we can protect ourselves, so that we feel able to be in the world and that we feel like we're safe and we can do something about it if we're not safe. 
And if we shift into the soul and the spirit, which are obviously connected to how we experience ourselves in our body, we can see that at the soul level, we might look at the beliefs and the meaning behind what we've experienced and what's incomplete in our lives. And when I say incomplete, we might even be talking about the experience where your brother passed away and you didn't get to say goodbye or tell him how you felt. It could be an abuse that happened where you wanted to fight back but couldn't, or that your body froze up because it was overwhelmed and that was the best thing you could do then. So with the meaning behind all of that, the beliefs we internalize because of it, we look at that level and see what we're learning here, what wisdom we want to take. At the soul level, we might look at what our souls are asking us to learn in these situations. What perhaps have you as a soul decided to come into this life to learn? And what agreements have you made with others to remember certain aspects of yourself or to evolve to your full potential? I love to look at a situation and ask myself, what did I actually want from this if I designed this? And you may or may not believe that you did, but let's just say I designed this. What did I want from this? What does this situation show me? Does it show me my own strength or power? Does it show me that I need to learn how to say no or to rest or to use a certain part of my capability? What is the true learning behind it? And of course, as we look at that aspect and that level, whether we intuit it or we think about it, we still need to move it through the body. We still need the emotions, the sensation, and the movement to complete. If we go a level deeper than the soul, we get to spirit. And what I mean by that at the moment is the sense of awareness, consciousness, or energy that's underneath everything that we all have weaving through us. It's the energy of creation. It's light itself. And we are enlivened by that energy, but that energy lives itself through the soul, through the belief sets that we have, through the ways of being that we've inherited, and all the past karma, all the past action. But spirit itself is untouched by all of that. It's untouched by pain or wounds and untouched by trauma. And the reason I want to just bring that up today is that it can be a very healing aspect, a part of us that reminds us that we are already whole, that we are already every potentiality and possibility that exists, that all of that is in our grasp and we're capable of anything we can think of and that we're already healed. So there's a part of us that doesn't even need healing and that can see everything as a as a play to learn something, to look at a part of us that we haven't looked at yet. When we clear up all of the soul level trauma or drama, and I say that with just gentleness, then we have this space, this vessel inside of us in this body, that this body is aligned with a higher vibration and we can carry our inner light and spark out into the world, what we're here for, what we want to create and what we want to create in collaboration with the entire universe. So I'll end today with just some thoughts on how there are so many tools to heal trauma. There's not one way that's the best. There are ways that have worked for me that may not work for you, but 
it's about expansion into all the aspects of ourselves and to use any tool that works for us at any given moment to go deeper and then learn more. So to sum up the main key to healing trauma in my eyes is that we can learn to complete all the responses in the body and the soul that want completion. Anything that seems untrue, distorted, any belief that we have or meaning that isn't the truth, we can resolve that and complete it so that we we come to and arrive at what the truth is. And any response in the instinctual body, the animal body, that wants to fight or push or bite something that it wanted to do in the past, we can do it now in a conscious way in our imagination and feel through that or in our physical body and move move it in the body so that we can actually carve out that territory of movement in our physical being again, as well as let those energies discharge out of the body. The body is key. The emotions, sensations, the movement, energy, all of that needs to find completion and to come back to truth, safety, and embodiment. So with so many practices out there, what do you choose? Meditation can help you to have embodiment and get into the body, to start to witness and separate spirit from all of the body and soul action. Yoga can bring that as well and can bring some movement as well as that awareness. Any embodied healing that is trauma-informed will likely be supportive. Family constellations, as I mentioned earlier, can support that embodiment and completion. And other practices can help you feel more embodied so that some of this can continue to move in different ways, like massage therapy, acupuncture, craniosacral, chiropractic work, energy work. These all can support the nervous system and in feeling safety and groundedness so that you can clear up other aspects that need to be complete. If you think you have trauma or know you do, it's important to work with somebody that is aware of the nervous system and trauma-oriented because it is a refined skill to look at how your body's responding so that you don't get re-traumatized. Someone that you trust and someone that can be attuned to you can help you to explore that edge of where your system can overwhelm and where you feel that it's manageable. All of that to build your resilience and your strength. If you're looking to try some of this yourself and to experiment, you can check out the previously recorded experientials, the healing experientials, as well as meditations that I put out on the Embody podcast. The ones I would recommend now to feel grounded are getting on the grid, the meditation that is linked at candicewu.com slash energy. This helps you feel grounded in your body. Another one is the meditation called Body Like Mountain. You can find that at candicewu.com slash nature. The third one I'd recommend is to resource safety, and that's on the podcast about emotions. So candicewu.com slash emotions, as well as the one about building emotional capacity with pendulation. That's on the same link, candicewu.com slash emotions. And lastly, I would recommend being in the body with love. It's a guided meditation that can support you in just feeling compassion towards all the parts of your body and experience. 
You can find that meditation at candicewu.com slash embody by signing up for my newsletter and receiving that for free. So we talked about the science, soul, and spirit of trauma, the nervous system, the polyvagus nerve. And this week, I will leave you with an additional healing experiential about letting the body lead you, an organic unfolding of what's in the body so that the body can start to inform you of what's going on and you can work to complete what's incomplete at the instinctual and body level. So look out for that this week or go to candicewu.com slash trauma to find that link added. So I'll just leave you with one last thought. Uh, if you're wondering at all why I'm just so excited about trauma work and why it's been a passion of mine, some people have asked me, you know, how do you deal with this deep, painful stuff? It's just what I love because I, I enjoy how I feel when I move through something and feel more empowered. I feel more uh, resilient and creative, expansive, and I get to know myself very deeply. And I just love to accompany people through that process for themselves with them as the source of their own healing, with them feeling their own empowerment and um, resource and strength inside and through their family systems so that um, their inner light just shines through and they get to have the life that they want to have. It's amazing to feel when trauma response is completed, what comes from it, all of the aha moments and the feeling of pleasure and strength, the ability to feel expansive and have new possibilities. It's an amazing journey. So I say all this also to offer continued hope and self-compassion, kindness, gentleness through whatever process you're going through. Whether or not you have trauma, I hope you found something that's helpful in this discussion. It really doesn't matter what we label it, but if we can use the tools and they help us, then I think that's incredibly powerful. As always, I'm available if you have any questions, if you need any support or referrals, or if you'd like to work with me one-on-one -on -one or in your relationship. Um, this is just magical that I get to do this work with people and get to hear about your stories along the way. I'll leave you today with a quote that is anonymous. I don't know who said it. If you know, let me know. It's that the body keeps an accurate journal regardless of what you write down. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found it helpful. And before you go, I'd like to invite you to join my community at candicewu.com slash embody. There's a Facebook group where you can interact with others. You can sign up for a bi-monthly newsletter and receive other updates, meditations, and resources. See you next time on the Embody Podcast.